How many of you read my email from Friday? Leveling up starting today. Anybody read it? Okay, if you didn't read it, you need to read it. It's going to connect to what I'm preaching about today. So um, we, as a people, we need to have hope. Am I correct? Somebody say, we need to have hope. Somebody say, I have hope. And we need to be excited about what's to come. We need to be excited about our tomorrows. We need to be excited about our today. And we need to be thankful about our, for our yesterdays. Amen? And so if you're not excited about tomorrow, if you're not celebrating today, if you're not thankful for yesterday, it's going to be really hard for you to move forward, really hard for you to really go to the next level. So I want to announce to you today that we're going to the next level. Amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, welcome, welcome. to the next level. <laughs> In order to go to the next level, there are several things that you have to do. And so the first thing that I want you to write down that you have to do, if you're going to go to the next level, if you're going to be on top, if you're going to go higher, if you're going to be all that God wants you to be, have all that God wants you to have, you're going to have to bury disappointment. And in this season, say with your neighbor, we're burying disappointments. We're burying disappointment. We are not going to be a disappointed people anymore. Whether individually or whether collectively, we're going to bury disappointment. And now you know when you bury something, that means you put it six feet under, not to be seen anymore. And so we all have experienced disappointment. Am I correct? Yes. Now, do you know what disappointment is? Let me define it for you. This is what disappointment is. Sadness or displeasure caused by the non-fulfillment of one's hopes or expectations. Sadness or displeasure caused by the non-fulfillment of one's hopes or expectations. Proverbs 13, 12 says this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. And so when you have a hope, you have an expectation, does it happen? It makes your heart sick. You have what is called disappointment. And we've all been there. We've all felt it. We've all seen it in our lives at some degree or another, but we're coming into a place where we're going to bury disappointment. Amen? The, the, the disappointments of the past, things that you wanted to happen, whether it was in a relationship, whether it had to do with finances, whether it had to do with a career, whatever it is that disappointed you, you are going to bury that and say, you know what? That's the past. The past is past. Amen? And I'm going to go forward so I can move forward with my life. Praise God. Now, um, <laughs> when <laughs> put it this way, it says this hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. When what you want happens, it produces life. And so, one of the things I want you to do in this season is to make a determination that your desires are going to come to pass. Make a determination that what I want is going to happen. Last week, we talked about your dream life. And we said that in, in order to have a dream life, you have to uh, know what you want. You have to go after it. You have to believe that you deserve it. Amen. Does anybody remember that? Yes. Does anybody believe that they deserve their dream life? Yes. Amen. So in order for your desire to not fail and not falter, you have to be determined to bring your desire to pass. Uh, write this down. Success doesn't happen to me. 
Success happens because of me. Write that down. Success doesn't happen to me. Success happens because of me. A lot of people are just looking for success to happen to them when you need to be letting success happen because of you. You need to get to your place of fable outcomes, the place where your desires are fulfilled by you doing something about it. Amen? Don't just let life happen to you. Happen to life. Praise God. And when, you, and when you have that kind of mindset, you'll be less disappointed in the days to come. You won't find yourself wandering around, wondering why this didn't happen, why that happened. No, you're going to say, no, I'm determined for my desires to come to, to pass. Father, I believe you, and I'm going to see what I want happen. And we have that kind of determination. You go to the next level. You go higher and higher. You know the Bible says that we are children of who? Abraham. And the Bible says that Abraham, what? Believed God. And it says that it was accounted to him for righteousness. But it's something else the Bible says in the book of Romans, that Abraham did not stagger at the promises of God. Does anybody know what it means to stagger? Anybody ever seen a drunk person? Hey, where are we going today? You know, They're staggering. They're going back and forth. They're not stable. They're not established. So guess what? Their promises don't happen. It says, through unbelief, he did not stagger the promises of God. So when you are not believing God and you're double-minded, swaying, you're like a drunk person. And nothing happens. But when you're like Abraham, who says, I believe you, and gave glory to God, and against hope, believed in hope, and then I staggered the promises of God, guess what? Everything God promised him happened. Even though it looked impossible, it still came to pass. Even though him and his wife tried to help God out, it still came to pass. Why? Because he believed God. And as children of Abraham, our responsibility on this planet, in this season, in this generation, is to believe God. Somebody shout, I believe God. And when you believe God, you're going to see disappointments gone. Praise God. Number two. We're going to the next level. We're going higher. We're going to get everything that we want from God. And we're going to eradicate fear. Eradicate fear. Fear, some people have said it. I know you guys have heard this. Is false evidence appearing real. That's cute. That's nice. And it's true. But let me give you another definition. A real definition from the dictionary. And it's an unpleasant emotion Caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. And it was long, so I'll say it again. Fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. And so when we are afraid, we believe that something's going to cause us pain or be a threat to us. And then God gives us a promise for this. Here's his promise. There's a lot of promises about, against fear. But here's one that's very famous. In Isaiah 41.10, he says, Fear not, for I am with you. And so the basis of being fearless is the presence of God. The basis of being fearless is the presence of God. And Jesus said, I will not leave you orphanless. 
He said, I will not leave you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And then Paul reiterates that in Hebrews 13, 5, I believe it is. And he says, the Lord has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And so the presence of God is the basis for us not being afraid. Somebody shout amen. amen. This is be not dismayed for I am your God. The basis for not being dismayed is that the creator of the universe is your God. Somebody say he's my God. He's my God. Elohim, El Shaddai. Yahweh, the God who created the heavens and the earth, the one who said, let there be light, and there was light. The Bible says, he says, I'm your God. And the Bible says, is there anything too hard for the Lord? No. And so if he's my God, he said, don't be dismayed. If you have me as your God, why are you dismayed? I'm the one who made the whole planet. I'm the one who made your body. Why are you dismayed? I will strengthen you. Somebody say, he will strengthen me. Yes, I will help you. That's what Paul says in Hebrews 13, 6. We may boldly say the Lord is my what? Helper. You know what the problem is? Sometimes people aren't saying that God is their helper. They're in debt. They don't expect God to help them. They have a situation in their physical body. They don't expect God to help them. They may mentally say, oh, yeah, let's pray. But they don't really believe the Lord is my helper. When the Lord is your helper... That means that you're going to overcome. Amen. Has God ever helped someone and they didn't win? <laughs> Is there a scripture where God helped someone and they, still, and, they, and they still lost? Oh, God, man, you wasn't a great partner. <laughs> Somebody say, the Lord is my helper. People try to figure it out. They should be saying, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you. With my righteous right hand. Is God's righteous right hand weak where it can't uphold you? No, no, no. In every life situation, God is saying, I'm upholding you. You're not going to be cast down. You're not going to be defeated. You're going to be upheld in victory. When somebody says, I'm upholding you, that means that you're going to be victorious. There was a um, story where there was a war between Israel and their enemies. And the Bible says that Mo Moses went on the mountaintop and he lifted his hands. And as long as his hands were lifted, that Israel won the war. Does anybody remember that story? And then his hands got tired and then they came down. They weren't upheld no more. And the Bible says then Israel started losing the battle. And then his, um, I forgot who it was, but it was Joshua and Aaron, or some, some, some people, two people, they put Moses' hands on a rock under a rock so his hands could stay lifted up and as long as they were lifted up Israel won the battle that's the picture of victory as long as you're being upheld you are victorious so God says I'm upholding you he's saying that I'm giving you victory in every situation of your life people are used to losing and winning and winning and losing and losing and winning God says no winning and winning and winning and winning <laughs> amen so I said I'm going to win you do go to winner's church, right? All right. <laughs> Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 
that is, when I, when I think about this point that we're going to eradicate fear, I think about um, Jairus in the Bible. Um, he was a, a, a ruler in Israel, a religious leader, and um, his daughter was at the point of death, and they came to him. He came to Jesus and said, listen, my daughter's at the point of death. Can you come and lay your hands on her so she can be healed and not die? And Jesus said, all right, no problem. So we're on his way. Uh, while he's on his way to his house, he runs into the woman with the issue of blood. Remember that story? All right, that's what actually happened. So he stops, says, yo, where's the, who, who touched me? Power came out of me. And, he, and then the Bible says, the woman, fear and trembling, came and told him all that happened to her. And he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be whole of, you know, whatever, your play. So then Jairus' people comes to him, because now Jairus is walking with Jesus back to his house. So at that scenario with the woman with the issue of blood, Jairus is actually standing there. He could be like, okay, can we like move it along? My, my daughter is about to die. And the people come and say, oh, don't worry about it. She's dead. And Jesus looks at Jairus, who just saw this miracle happen to this woman with the issue of blood. He says, do not fear only belief. Oh, that's a powerful word. That's the word that Jesus is telling us today. Do not fear, only believe. Yes, you tried to accomplish this before it didn't happen. Yes, you um, 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 were disappointed because this relationship didn't stay together. But Jesus is still saying the same words he said to Jairus, to all of us, no matter what situation we're in, do not fear, only believe. The doctor said that I have stage 4 cancer. Do not fear, only believe. I had this thing for a long time. Do not fear, only believe. They told me that I'm going to live for five years with it. Do not fear, only, my mother, do not fear, only believe. It's so expensive in the city. Do not fear, only believe. And the Bible says that when he got there, the daughter was dead. But do you realize that Jesus doesn't care if you're sick, if you're sleeping, if you're dead? I don't care. It's all the same to me. <laughs> you know why? Because he understands the dimension beyond this third dimension. He understands what I call the fourth dimension. The fourth dimension is the spirit world where nothing is impossible. What, what is this? What is death? Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He was speaking from the fourth dimension. Come on, somebody. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. This, this third dimension doesn't rule the fourth dimension. The fourth dimension rules the third dimension. But if you're third dimension minded, you'll never live in the fourth dimension. If you're third dimension minded, you're never experiencing the power and the presence of Almighty God. But that's not going to be our story. Amen? Amen. We are eradicating fear. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Somebody say we're eradicating fear. Somebody say no fear here. I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of anyone. I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of anyone. Hallelujah. Ladies, if you touch your breast, you feel a lump, don't be afraid. Oh my God. I got no. Say, yo, what you doing here, man? You ain't supposed to be here. Illegal. In the name of Jesus, I command this lump to die. 
disintegrate and disappear. That's speaking for the fourth dimension. That, but then your mind will say, oh, you better use some wisdom. You better go to the doctor. <laughs> now you can go to the doctor if you want to, but you have to believe that the power in your hands is greater than what the doctor is going to say to you. And so if you feel alarmed, you say, no, I command this breast to be healed in Jesus' name. You don't have to wait for church. You don't have to wait for Pastor Maurice. You don't have to wait for Benny Hinn. Lay hands on yourself. Amen. You're a royal priest, right? You've been given authority and power, right? You better believe God for yourself. Now, if you want to believe it to come with you, that's great. But you need to learn how to believe God. Say, I believe God. Even as it was told me. Thank you, Jesus. So you have to eradicate fear. So Jesus said, do not fear, only believe. And then when they got in, into the place, the Bible says that there were people weeping. These were what you call your um, professional weepers, people who were um, hired to cry and to weep. Um, and the Bible says when Jesus came in there, and the Bible said that, and to, to raise her from the dead, they started criticizing him. How do you go from weeping to criticizing? Because you're a professional weeper. You're just doing whatever. They criticize. The people will criticize you when you walk by faith and not by sight. They will criticize you for saying, I'm going to the next level, saying, I believe God. I choose to believe that all things are working together for my good because I love God. I'm the call according to his purpose. They're going to criticize you when you say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. They're going to criticize you. When you say, God's going to turn this around for my kid, turn this around for my life, they will criticize you. They say, oh, come on, be smart, be wise. No, I believe God. Amen. Amen. And so when he saw the girl dead, he said, Talitha Kumi, little girl, I say to you, arise. And the Bible says, she got up. It was just him, Peter, John, and the parents. Now you know why it wasn't just Peter, James, and I mean Jesus, Peter, and, and John, and James? Why the parents were there? Does anybody know why the parents were there? They were, they were what? They were, expecting. they were expecting. Okay. Any other reason why the parents were there? Huh? What'd you say? Perfect. Because she was a child. They had the authority. That's why he said to him, do not fear, only believe. You're the parent. You're the one in authority. If you enter into unbelief, though I'm here, the Lord of glory, the miracle worker, your daughter's going to stay dead. And you'll see her on the other side later. But if you believe, you will not cause my hands to be tied, my power to be tied, and the miracle is going to happen. People don't realize unbelief and fear ties the hand of God. Remember the Bible says that Jesus could there, talking about in his own hometown, do no mighty work except heal a few sick folk. Why? Because even though he's Jesus, even though he has the spirit without measure, he's a miracle worker from on high, unbelief will stop God's power from moving. That's why the Bible says, he who comes to God must believe, must what? Believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
If you don't believe something's going to happen, if you don't believe that your faith in God and your faith in the, in the, in the, in the miraculous is going to produce something, then guess what? Nothing's going to happen. But if you believe, amen, something's going to happen. Jesus said all things are possible to those who what? Believe. Somebody shout, I believe God. Hallelujah. And so Jairus and his wife believed God and the miracle happened. Instead of them having a funeral, they had a party. Amen. And so there's things in your life that you should be celebrating. If you believe God, you will be celebrating. If you don't believe God, you will not be celebrating. You will be mourning. But the day for mourning is over. Amen. Somebody say, morning days are over. Somebody say, morning days are over. I believe God. So we're going to be eradicating fear. We're going to be eradicating unbelief. We're going to say, Lord, I believe you. Lord, I believe you for a change in my financial state. I believe you to get out of the school debt. I believe you for my husband. I believe you for my wife. I believe you for a change of status in my life. I believe you for my house. I believe you for my condo. Amen. I believe you for health and strength. I believe you for the full restoration of my body. I believe you not to ever have Alzheimer's. I believe you to be, uh, as they used to say in the whole school Pentecostal church, a mind regulator. Come on. <laughs> I believe you to make sure my mind stays intact. Some of you have a forgetful thought. You get afraid. Don't be afraid. Say, oh, I just forgot something. Don't be like, oh my goodness, am I? No, no, am I nothing? So I say, my mind is sharp. My mind is alert. And it will never, it will never succumb to dementia or Alzheimer's. Amen. Let me give you a little secret. Stop saying, I keep forgetting. If that's a habit you're saying, break it now in the name of Jesus. It'll be a tool Satan will use to bring that into your life. Don't say, I keep forgetting. Amen. So what do I say if I didn't remember something? I don't know, figure it out. <laughs> but don't say, I keep forgetting. Praise the Lord. So what are we doing? We're burying disappointment. Number one, we're burying disappointment. Number two, we're eradicating fear. And number three, we're going to say a permanent goodbye to discouragement. We're going to the next level, guys. Amen. We're going to the next level. Somebody say, we're going to the next level. Amen. Come on, get excited, guys. Yes, I know I'm teaching, but y'all need to get this enthusiasm up, man. <laughs> say, Lord, Lord, surge my enthusiasm. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. All right. Discouragement. This is the definition. A loss of confidence or enthusiasm. Dispiritedness. A loss of confidence or enthusiasm. Dispiritedness. Satan works overtime to discourage you. He works overtime to destroy your confidence. He works overtime to make sure that you don't feel excited, you don't feel enthusiastic. And you have to fight the devil. You have to fight that emotion. You have to fight those demons 
and say, I will not be discouraged. I will not um, lose my spirit. I'm going to be excited. Even if you don't feel excited, say, I'm excited. You just <laughs> in your front in your house. If you sing on your house, I'm excited. If you have um, people in your house I'm, who who are not excited, say I'm excited. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. Why? Why? Because I'm going up. Things are looking up. I'm going to the next level. Greater is He who is in me than He who's in the world. I'm excited. I'm not discouraged. I'm not going to be put down. I'm not going to be feeling down. Wake up excited. Go to bed excited. Amen. Live every day excited. No blue Mondays. Oh my God. No. It's Monday. No. The weekend is over. Oh, I wish the weekend was longer. Yes, the weekend is nice. But guess what? You have to look at every day as Friday. Every day as Saturday. Amen. Every day is Sunday. Every day is the weekend for me. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's how you live your life. You think Jesus was like, oh, I can't wait to get to Saturday. <laughs> no. He had joy within himself. He rejoiced in his own spirit. He was excited every day. That's why he's doing miracles on Monday and miracles on Sunday. Miracles on Saturday and miracles on Tuesday. Why? Because every day is the same to me. Human beings have allowed the world system which is controlled by Satan, who's the god of this world, small g, to make you feel different ways on different days. Mm -mm -mm -mm. You have to win the day every day, but you do that by not allowing yourself to be discouraged on any day. So Monday should be exciting just as Sunday. Monday should be exciting just as Saturday. Tuesday should be exciting as Friday. You should be just as excited the day you get paid as the day that you're not paid. Why? Because your joy level should not be determined by outward circumstances. It should be determined by what's going on on the inside of you. The hope inside of you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hope deferred, as we said earlier, what? Makes the heart sick. So don't let your hope get deferred. Don't let your soul be discouraged. There's a story in 1 Samuel. You guys know this story. Chapter 30, you should read it. David's, you know, on a war path. He's, you know, slicing and dicing, winning wars and everything. But while him and his mighty men and his military are gone, um, their enemy comes and gets their wives and their children at a city called Ziklag. They took David's wives, his kids, took all, those, all the military guys, their wife and their kids, and they kidnapped them. And they burnt their city down. So, so let me give you a, a picture to help you understand this biblical story. So you can imagine um, um, there's a big base here in Jamaica, Queens. And this is where the military people for, let's say we had a military in New York City, where they lived with their children and their wives, like we kind of do on the base. Many times people live on a base in the military. But imagine it's a base that's like, the, like a big city. So imagine a whole Jamaica, downtown Jamaica, South Jamaica, like he likes to say all the time, all over Jamaica, right? And then that's where you're stationed, David's stationed, everybody's stationed. And these, these guys come, a whole army comes, and they burn the city down. Imagine that. They burn the city down, and they take the wives and the kids and all the stuff. 
and you come back fighting, thinking that you won some wars, and you come back, your own place is shattered. Kind of like what we've seen in Hawaii. People are posting like, I was just there this summer. I was just there in May. I was just walking on that street, and the whole thing is burnt down. I've seen that post several times from different people. So can you imagine that? That I was somewhere, it was amazing, and now the whole place is burnt. So you, so, so you have the pictures of Hawaii and was burnt. So imagine Ziklag like that. The cars burnt, the trees burnt, everything's burnt, tore, tore up. And the Bible says that when the men saw this, that they wept. Now remember, this is not your American men. Sorry, guys. <laughs> These are Middle Eastern men. These are brutes. These are like barbarians. The Bible says they cried until they could not cry anymore. They had no more tears left. Those says they were discontented. They were disappointed. They were discouraged. They were angry. And the Bible says this, that they were going to take up stones to kill David. Does anybody know why they want to do that? Does anybody know? They blamed him, but why did they blame him? Because when you're going through discouragement and you're expressing disappointment and you're sad and you're angry and you have all these kind of wild emotions, it's very easy to practice what I call um, um, transfer of anger. People do that all the time to leaders, especially in churches. Their dad disappointed them. But I'm going to look for something in the pastor to say that he hurt me. But really, they're mad at their dad. But because they can't get to their dad, I'm going to get to somebody. I'm going to get to somebody. So, okay, so he's a leader. I'm going to get to him. It's happened to us multiple times in Winter Church. It's called the transfer and anger. I actually had somebody say to me, um, <laughs> my gosh, because a young man didn't treat his sister right, he literally said to me, I blame you <laughs> to me. Now, what the hell? Oh, heck, sorry. What the heck do I have to do with how this guy treated your sister? I'm not a part of that. But because he, they both went to win a church, I blame. No, because you cannot get to the guy. He don't care what you think. You can't beat him up. So what do you do? You go to the easy target, Pastor Maurice. Because he knows both of them. And I know you. I'll never forget that. He says, I blame you in my car, too. So anyway, what I wanted to say and what I wanted to do, I didn't say and I didn't do. Because I understood better. I understood that you are at a place of discouragement, sadness, anger, and you want to transfer that to me. So that's what they were doing. They wanted to kill David, their leader, the one who led them to many victories. And, and it was, of course, with many, many blessings in their lives. And guess what happened? The Bible says that David, in the New King James, it says he strengthened himself. But I love the old King James on this, on this um, scripture. It says he encouraged himself in the Lord. 
And this is what the scripture actually says. First Samuel 36. It says, now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. Watch this. Because the soul of all the people was grieved. So they wanted to attack David for what they were feeling. Every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened, or like we said, encouraged himself in the Lord his God. So there comes a time as you're going up, as you're looking to win in life and to take territory and to have a masterful life, you're going to have to encourage yourself in the Lord. You have to strengthen yourself. Yes, the Lord is strengthening you, but you have to strengthen yourself also. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I will strengthen myself. I will not live a life of, dis of, of discouragement. I will not live a life of disappointment. I will not live a life of fear. I'm going up. Hallelujah. My God. This is one of the reasons why the Psalms are so powerful, because you can see they are full of personal encouragement from David. The whole Psalm 23 is a personal. We love that Psalm and people use it at funerals. That's the wrong time to use it. Psalm 23 is not a funeral Psalm. That's a life Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not what? Want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. You know why God leads you beside the still waters? Because if he ever leads a sheep by turbulent waters, the sheep is going to fall in and drown. So God leads you by still waters. So all that theology that God is giving you trials and tribulations to teach you a lesson, it's a lie. He's leading me besides what? Still waters. Trials and tribulations come from the devil to hurt you. To put you down. And, and James says what to do. When that happens, count it all joy. Throw yourself a party. Get excited. Amen. Amen. When something negative happens, that's the time to be discouraged. It's time to get excited. And say, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You're not praising God for the negative circumstance. You're praising God because I'm coming out. Amen. I'm coming out the trouble. I'm coming out the problem. Thank you, Jesus. So then he says, he restores my soul. Sometimes you live in a place where you need restoration. And the Bible says, God is so good that he restores your soul. He starts you back at one again. He refreshes you. He gives you a new start every day. Amen. Hallelujah. He'll restore your soul when a big conference comes. He'll restore your soul on your birthday or restore your soul during the holidays. He restores your soul every day if you receive that restoration. Some people want to be down in the dumps. If you like that, bye. <laughs> no, we ain't trying to have discouragement around here. Amen? So I want to be lifted up. You know how some people like to have to be down in the dumps? Because they want the sympathy from people that come with it. Do you want sympathy or do you want life? Do you want sympathy or do you want life? life. Then stop being down. Stop being discouraged. Stop allowing it in your life. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That really should be translated prosperity or victory. 
So if you study it out in the Hebrew, the word is prosperity, victory, or righteousness. Now in the Old Testament, righteousness didn't always mean right standing with God in terms of spirituality. It had to do with how a person lived and the prosperity that came with their lifestyle. Psalm 112 brings that out more. And Paul quotes Psalm 112 in 2 Corinthians when he's talking about um, money and he's talking about um, increase and he says that God will multiply you and increase your seeds of what? Righteousness. Really it should be prosperity. All right? Because, and how do you know this? Because the whole Psalm 23 is about God's provision for you. It's not talking about a lifestyle. So he leads you in the paths of what? Prosperity for his name's sake. He wants to make sure you're taken care of so that he looks good. Come on, somebody. I want to lead you in the paths of prosperity. I want to lead you in the paths of victory so that you make me look good. It don't look good if you call it my name and you broke, busted, and disgusted. It don't look good if you call it my name and you down and out. And you have the blues like everybody else. Don't look good if you name the name of Christ and you have anxiety like the rest of the world. What's the difference? Why do I need Jesus if you have the same problems I got? Christians are trying to keep it so real, they're looking like the world and the world don't want Jesus. Hello? The Bible says when Israel was in Egypt, there was a distinction between them and the Egyptians when the plagues came. So all the bad that was happening to the Egyptians was not happening to Israel. All the darkness that was happening to the Egyptians was not happening to Israel. Distinction between the world and the saints. Come on, somebody. That's why you shouldn't be accepting the sicknesses that the world accepts. Why? Because you are different. You are, your case is different. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Why sickness in my body if I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost? Holy Ghost, you like this sickness up in here? No. So do something about it. And you guys push it out in Jesus' name. Hello? Amen. He leads me in the path of prosperity for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Notice there's a shadow of death. Now, if you, that language is kind of rare. Sometimes uh, a shepherd would lead the sheep down in the valley area. That's, that's where um, sheep, if they went by themselves, they would get devoured by a lion or some kind of animal and they would die. But he's saying that even if you lead me down the, in the valley area, this other area, not on the mountaintop, shadow of death, I will not fear. I will not what? We talk about eradicating what? For you are what? With me. Once again, the presence of God is the basis for living a fearless life. Your rod and your staff, what? They comfort me. God's not using his rod and staff to beat you up. Ah, get over here. <laughs> like preachers are doing every Sunday. Beating the saints up. No, your rod and staff, they what? Comfort me. Your word and your spirit, they comfort me. 
you what? Prepare a table for me in the what? Presence of my enemies. You have enemies? Good. Good. Your number one enemy is Satan and his demons. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness as well, against the wicked spirits of heavenly places. You have to come to a place where you're not afraid of the devil. Anybody here afraid of the devil? Is anybody here afraid of the devil? Come on, man. Talk back to me. We're almost done. Oh, you came late. We're about to be over in five minutes. Yeah, I'm teaching a lesson today. Um, what if a witch walked up to you? You found her, and she's like, she's a high-powered witch. If she says it, it's going to happen, and said to you, in three days, you'll drop dead. Are you going to be afraid? No. And she blew some powder on you. <laughs> you going to be afraid? Let's think about all those horror movies you saw. Some of you are going to be afraid. Don't try it. Like, oh my God, pray. Some of you will be, he said he would laugh. Some of you will be like, Pastor Fabi, can you pray? <laughs> Secretly going to her. You got you to gotta, you gotta know that you know. That you know. What if some people say, yo, man, she really does something. Something really does happen. What she do? You got to be like, there's no divination against me in the name of Jesus. There's no witch or warlock that can ever take my life. You have to realize he prayed a table for you in what? The presence of your enemies. Somebody throws dust on you, take a thing and wipe it all off. That thing ain't mean nothing. They put dust in front. They put a dead chicken in front of you. What is this witchcraft? They, they make a doll with your name and, and, and your name on it and they be poking pins and do all kind of stuff. You got you to gotta be so strong in the spirit that they're scared to do that against you. And say, every curse that anybody puts on me, I send back to you. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. And sometimes curses come and they want to see if you're going to receive it. So they're knocking on your door. And you're like, I don't receive this. Bye. And if I see somebody crazy, if I'm ever on a train and you look a little weird and you try to come near me, you touch me or something, I'm like, yo, the blood of Jesus. I don't receive none of that. I don't accept it. I ain't playing with your guys. I know Satan hates me, but he's still a nobody. He played the what? Table for me in the what? Presence of my enemies. The Bible says the Lord will defeat your enemies before your face. They shall go out before you. They shall come against you one way and flee before you seven ways. That should be constantly on your mouth. No enemy will stand. No demonic enemy, no human enemy, nobody will stand before me. You should tell your co-workers, your bosses, everybody, it's dangerous to mess with me. Are you afraid to say that to your boss? Are you afraid to say that to your co-worker? You know there's co-workers that try to get people fired, right? Say, before I get fired, you'll be fired. And you'll be on welfare. Don't mess with me. Bishop David in Nigeria said, I'm more witchier than the witch. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Yeah, say it. I'm more witchier. Say it with me, guys. Use your Nigerian accent. I'm more witchier than the witch. <laughs> Hallelujah. You, gotta, you have to come like that. I am not to be messed with. I don't care how many seances you do. Y'all can get seven witches. 
to pray and, and uh, not pray to do seances against me, I will still stand. Hallelujah. 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 They try to kidnap you. Most of your natural reaction is going to start fighting, ah, screaming. But if you could only have the mind of Christ, do you think Jesus is going to start screaming if somebody tried to kidnap him? No. Did you know that they tried to do that to Jesus? Do you know that Jesus was, was, they tried to snatch Jesus? Anybody know that? Does anybody know what story I'm talking about? Huh? Oh, you know the Bible. That's good. <laughs> Dr. John knows the word. Man of God. Yes. When they tried to take him, or would throw him off the cliff, and then he went right through it. But also the time they wanted to make him king. They wanted to snatch him. And he went right through them. How'd it happen? I don't know. Supernaturally. But Jesus was calm, cool, and collected. You're not going to take my life. Nobody can take my life. I only give it. Even when he was at the Garden of Gethsemane and they came for him, he says, guys, do you think I'm going to start running and crying? All my disciples will run. Bye, guys. See you later. Jesus stood there. He said, are you the one? He says, I am he. Now, the he is italicized in the Bible. He literally said, I am. The Bible says they fell back. How all these soldiers fall back? From one man. That's the kind of power he has. He says, guys, listen, all this is not necessary. Because if I wanted to leave this place right now, nothing y'all could do. All the clubs and the, and the light, what's all this? He said, if I want to, I could ask my father for 12 legion of angels and I'd be free. This is nothing. Do you have that kind of confidence in your God? In, in, in your protection? Praise God. Praise God. This is the kind of God we serve. Amen. Hallelujah. So there's no reason to have fear. There's no reason to be, to, to be disappointed. And there's no reason to be discouraged. He prepared the table for me in the presence of my enemies. Here we go. He anoints my head with oil. There's supernatural ideas the Lord wants to give you. Supernatural insights and concepts the Lord is giving you. Are you receiving them? Things that will catapult you to the next dimension. Things that will take you to the next level. It's one thing to quote Psalm 23. It's another thing to live in Psalm 23. Somebody say, we're going to live in Psalm 23. Say it again. We're going to live in Psalm 23. We're going to live under the great shepherd's anointing. And when he has an anointing on your life, when you anoint your head with oil, you look like the smartest person in the room. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you go into business meetings or meetings with your um, um, company, you say, Lord, anoint my head with oil. Or Lord, I receive supernatural concepts and insights and ideas that make me look smart in this board meeting. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. On this interview, you will make me look like the most intelligent person there is. Lord, mad people are making money. Before this year is out, there's five months left. I got to make some money. Give me something. And the Lord will do it. He anoints your head with oil. What? Oil. People usually think about that and they think of the anointing. And that's beautiful. But it's not just the anointing. 
It's also talking about prosperity, ideas that bring you success. You know, I, I didn't plan to do this, but I'm just flowing. I, I plan to have these little points that I just gave you, but I want it to flow, and that's what's happening right now. Praise God. We're almost done. Go with me to Job 29. Can I get Job 29? Because of the, the, the thing? I can do it. I don't know if it's going to come up. If it doesn't, somebody get Job 29 for me. One day I had a meeting with the um, men a long time ago. Okay, it's working. Job 29. Now, Job 29 is very powerful. It talks about Job's life before his attack from the devil. The whole chapter talks about his prestige, how people loved him, all this stuff, right? But this is what it says about his prosperity. Okay. Um, and he's talking, he's talking about his life. He says, oh, this is verse 2. He says, it is, okay, verse 1 says, Job further continued to discourse and said, Oh, that I were as in months past, as in the days when God washed over me, when his lamp shone on my, upon my head, and when by his light I walked through darkness. Just as I was in the days of my prime, when the friendly counsel of God was over my tent. That tent means your house. This is your house. The friendly counsel of God was over my tent. Doesn't that sound like anoint your head with oil? The anointing of oil has to do with counsel, ideas, concepts, insight. He said, I wish I had those days. He didn't know they were coming back. When the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were around me, because remember, his children had got killed. Now, here we go, the verse 6. When my steps were bathed with cream and the rock poured, poured out rivers of oil for me. You'll need to put a note on that, verse 6. When my steps were bathed with cream and the rock poured out rivers of oil for me. If you ever look this up in the concordance, even these old school concordance guys, commentators are not charismatic and word of faith. They say that he's talking about his prosperity. He's talking about his financial success. He says, when I walked, <laughs> cream came out, the rocks. You know, you know what I mean? Rocks don't pour out oil, guys. Hello? Does anybody know that? Do you know what he's saying? In the most difficult situations, I was making money. Is Pastor Michelle the only one clapping? Come on. In the most difficult situations, I was prospering. The times never dictated how well I was. That's what the Bible says when, you, when it opens Job. He was the richest man in the East because his feet. Here we go. What does it say? Verse 6. It says, when my steps were bathed with cream and the rocks poured out rivers of oil. He didn't say it's a little bit of oil. Rivers of oil. Somebody say, I'm stacking money. <laughs> Hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm stacking wins. Somebody say, I'm stacking money. Somebody say, I'm stacking wins. I'm stacking wins. In, Jesus' name. in Jesus' name. And that's why Psalm 23, the next verse says what? My cup, what? Runs over. Noise my head with oil. Friendly counsel of God. My cup. 
runs over. You should have overflow in your life. Somebody say, I'm going to have overflow in my life. Somebody say, I'm going to have overflow in my life. Somebody say, I'm going to have overflow in my life. Somebody say, no more little. I will have much. Do you believe that? Look to the neighbor and say, neighbor, no more little. You will have much. Are you tired of seeing people on TV with your stuff? Aren't you tired of looking at social media and wishing that was you? Hello? Aren't you ready to go on those crazy vacations and be in those awesome speedboats and driving that nice Bugatti? Come on, somebody. Now, I know you were told you live in Jamaica, Queens. I know you were told by your neighborhood the best you can get is a BMW or a Mercedes or Bugatti. Who's driving a Bugatti around Jamaica, Queens? You. Now, I'll get that when I go to Long Island or I'll move out of state. Okay, if you want to limit yourself like that, but God's not limited to anything. Have you ever been in a restaurant in New York City and you see somebody with some luxury car passing by? Some, what was that one? That made, I, I was just in the Uber. I saw a Maybach right in front of me. I wonder who that is. Oh, yeah, it's time. That's right. That's right, Wesley, it's time. She's like, huh, huh. That's, the, that's her tongue's trying to come out. <laughs> yeah, glory to God. Amen. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They know what's up. Kids know. My cup runs over. There should be overflow in your life. Somebody said, there should be overflow in your life. There should be overflow in your life. If you are struggling financially, it comes to an end in Jesus' name. You declare the end coming. You say, God, I cannot do this struggle anymore. Life was never meant to be a struggle. My finances were never meant to struggle. Somebody say, I'm done with struggling. My cup runs over. Somebody say, I'm done with having little. Least. And lack. Somebody say, my cup runs over. Don't you want to go to Saxon and buy whatever you want to buy? Not PJ. Never mind. Pidgemark, whatever that place is called. Primark. Primark. No, I know you like Primark. If you go to, I know several people in here go to Primark. That's wonderful. But my cup runs over. <laughs> Past Primark, okay? There comes a time in your belief system where you have to stop hoping somebody brings another retail store and brings the prices way, way down with cheap clothes that I can buy. How about God bringing your finances way, way up so I can pay for everything at Saxon Avenue and Bloomingdale's? Hello, somebody. We're buying an $800 sweater. Ain't going to be a big deal to me. Why? Because I got $8 million. Hey, Come on now. Praise God. In order to do that, you have to, as I said many times before, get rid of your middle class mentality and get your mind renewed with the word. The Bible is not middle class. Hello? It relates to the poor, the middle class, the rich, everybody. But the Bible is not middle class. Hello, somebody? My cup runs over. It's not, oh, you get another cup of rice from key food. <laughs> or Farmbria. A little bag, another extra bag of groceries from Farmbria. That's not what my cup runs over means. Who wrote Psalm 23? Can you, can you tell me, please? It's 
David. Who was David? A king. Not a made-up king with the Burger King hat. A real king. A real warrior and a real prophet. So he was spiritual and rich. Hello, somebody. And he said, my what? Cup runs over. So we know what he meant by my cup runs over. He wasn't talking about a little bag of groceries, an extra bag of groceries. Come on, somebody. Some of you have killed yourself to buy one house when God says, I can give you 10 houses. Come on, somebody. There's one woman um, that's on social media. Her name is Tiffany Montgomery. Some of you know her. She just recently revealed. Everybody knows that she's a millionaire. Oh, no, she's a young girl. She, she was ghetto, got saved, got filled with the Holy Ghost. She's really uh, a strong believer, really a little too strong, but whatever. <laughs> she's a strong believer. She's really against a lot of things, but she's for a lot of things. And one thing she's for is prosperity. And she just revealed at some seminar that she was teaching at that she, has, she owns 150 houses. She's in her 30s, right? I don't think she even reached 40 yet. She owns 150 houses. One time, about three years ago, or two years ago, even during the pandemic, she says, interesting. I looked at my bank account, and I literally have $1 million in my bank account. Literally. Not all her wealth, but in her bank account, $1 million. God took her from the bottom and brought her to the top. Because she believed my cup, what? Runs over. Oprah went from making, now this is what she said, her own testimony, $22,000 in Chicago, doing that little news thing she was doing, to now what? $3.5 My cup, what? Runs over. Oh, somebody, I wasn't born rich. Was Oprah born rich? Was Tyler Perry born rich? Was, was Tiffany Montgomery born rich? No. And so if you weren't born rich, you're the perfect person. Was David born rich? No, he was in the back feeding the sheep and the thing. His father didn't even think he was that important. And God chose him to be the what? King of Israel. God sees everything, right? So I said, my cup runs over. And then the next line says this. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. What? All the days. Some of the days. Some of the days. All the days of my life is following you. Amen? Okay, we're going to do a little demonstration. Um, you're going to be uh, David. Come on, stand up. Um, 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 you, what's your name again? Um, Derek. Derek and Erica. Erica, come on. She's like, yeah, twins. Come on, hurry up, man. Y'all taking me that long, man. You know, you're not the line of beer. They ain't the line in the beer. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Stand right here. Erica and, and him, get, get behind him. No, get behind him. Turn this way. Turn this way. Turn this way. Like you're going to go up the aisle. You, turn this way. You can go up the aisle. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> okay. Turn this way. Turn this way, sir. Turn this way. Thank you. Yeah. Come behind him. Thank you. Calm down. I know you're excited. <laughs> so over here, come over here, over here. Thank you, thank you. He's David. He represents us. He's the believer. 
your goodness and your mercy. Start walking around the sanctuary. Follow him. Goodness and mercy shall follow him all the days of his life. Keep going, y'all. Now, try to outrun them. Try to outrun them. Go ahead, goodness and mercy. Run, run, goodness and mercy. No, go the other way, go behind him. Goodness and mercy, yourself, follow him. Not come in front of him. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yo, what are you doing? Run, my guy. My God. You're the worst goodness I've ever seen in my life. Hallelujah. Goodness and mercy shall follow him all the days of his life. Thank you, guys. Come on. Hallelujah. Praise God. Some of you don't know they're twins. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Goodness and mercy are twins in your life. And they're following you every day. They're intricately connected to your life. So every day you should be expecting goodness and mercy. And what did I say to you before? If it's not good, come on guys, you should know this already. If it's not good, everybody say it together. If it's not good, if it's not good, it's not God. Come on, say it right, Christopher. If it's not good, if it's not good, it's not God. Say it together again. If it's not good, if it's not good, if it's not good, amen. Only goodness and mercy is what you should be expecting. Anything else that comes is a foreign entity that must be cast out, that must be resisted, that must be rejected. Amen? Amen. So we're going up. We're going to bury disappointment, number one. Number two, we're going to eradicate fear. And number three, we're going to permanently say goodbye to discouragement. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's rejoice. Let's rejoice.